The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. Today we have a special treat. I have Richard Jackson, who's the chairman of the Winning Edge Mindset. And he has spent over the 30 years in the area. Yeah. Is it 30 years? It's just on, yeah, 38 years. That's amazing. Helping people understand and shape their mindset to achieve their goals. Is that a right characterization? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, yep. good. Well, thank you, Richard, for joining me. We connected not too long ago, and I am personally so interested in this topic, but I think so many people, especially having dealt with COVID over the last couple of years, could really benefit from this conversation. So hopefully that's the goal for today, to get a sure. few tips and understanding of what really drives mindset. Before we do that, can you give us a little bit of background? How did you even get started in this field? Well, I'll keep this very brief because it's boring to everybody but me. But in the late, uh, sorry, the early 1980s, I was divorced and not in a great place. And I was complaining to everybody how bad the world was and how other people were dreadful, blah, blah, blah. So a very, very good friend of mine had the courage to say to me, but Richard, have you tried working on yourself? And my response was more or less, well, I'm British, male and perfect. I don't need to do that. <laughs> but I did listen to him and I thought, well, maybe I need some help and talk to other people. So I got myself a notebook, and for a couple of years, I wandered around talking to anybody who I thought was doing a lot better than me, and it can be in any sort of area. I spoke to parents. I spoke to CEOs of very large companies. I spoke to gold medal winners in Olympics. I spoke to anybody who seemed happy, whatever that means. And it's different for different people, successful. Again, that's hugely different for different people. Yeah. And my question was, what is it about you that makes you the person you are? Why do you forge ahead? and set some exciting goals when most people seem not to do that. What kind of things going on in your head? So I made notes. And a couple of years later, I had this mad idea to start a business using my hobby. So wow. I codified all my notes. I spoke to neuroscientists and psychologists to find out why we do what we do. Because I think there's, there's lots of great positive thinking stuff around, but I think some of it's a bit, dare I say, fluffy and pink. Okay. And um, it's a bit facile. I think we, we need to have some, some something behind it, something that proves stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know we're always learning more stuff about the brain, but I thought, no, I'm a bit of a pragmatist and I'm not a cynic, but I'm a, a skeptic. So my question is why? Because I've had lots of people over the years on our courses and my people who work with me do. Why do you say that? How can you say that? And if you can't answer them, you can't help them. Sure. So after yeah, I start to work with small companies and then large companies heard about us and we worked with them and... Now we've worked in 19 countries around the world with uh, multi-billion band companies, one-man bands, small to medium enterprises, all sorts of work with graduates, schools, anybody who just wants to do better, whatever better means to them. Right. Because the first thing they need to do is define better. And that's what so few people do. 
So, so that's how I got to where I am all this time later. And uh, yes, it's been quite a journey. I now have three of my daughters in the business who have brought up with this stuff, which is brilliant for me because I have I can hand the baton off to them bit by bit. So yes, it's, it's been lots of fun, Seema. It sounds exciting. And I can't imagine you being a father and doing this work and the advice that you probably gave your children around the dinner table as they were growing up in terms of what they were thinking about what to do with their careers and, and their life. Yes, was and, that infused in daily life? Yes, it was. And it's been lots of fun because they now tell it back to me. They say, hey, dad, hold <laughs> So, so I'm being sorted out by my daughters now, that's which funny. Is, is great fun. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great that you could work with them as well. So you said you talked to scientists, you talked to other specialists in the field. What was the kind of the key principles that helped you understand from your research, you know, what really shapes mindset? What are the drivers as to why we think the way we do? Well, it's the way we soak up inputs from all around us. It could be parents, it could be siblings, it could be the media, it could be peers at school, could be heroes, it could be villains. And one of the big ones, of course, is ourselves. Mm. And when you say to people, do you ever get the feeling you have two voices in your head? If they're sitting there saying, well, have I got two voices in my head? Then you have, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) And too often that voice has been shaped by all those other inputs that I mentioned a few moments Mm. ago. And we too easily take on stuff from other people without questioning it, either because they're in a position of authority or older, like parents or whatever. And we nod wisely and think, yes, that must be right, because they said so. Right. I think it comes to a time when I love to see young people in their teens start questioning their parents. I know it's tough for both of them. Sure. But sometimes we need to say, well, why do you say that? Where'd you get that from? So it starts with us questioning ourselves and questioning the way we think. And so few people ever think about the way they think. Which is surprising to me. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But when you say, well, what you think about is important as the way you think about what you think about, they look at you and think you're mad. (laughs) No, no, it just sounds like gobbledygook. But I say it like that because it makes stop, had some stop and think anyway. But if we don't think about the way we think, we're never going to change. It's very true. And one of the huge drivers of the need to do this has been COVID. Because mm. so, I've had so many people contact me and say, thank God I came on your winning edge course before COVID because it helped me navigate my way through it. That's Realizing great. that COVID wasn't the problem. It's the way I'm thinking about the problem. Now, because COVID was it and is a huge problem. We're not denying that. Yes. But there are some people who've gained hugely from it. I don't yeah. mean from losing loved ones. That's too facile. But it is the ability to think, well, hold on, this is going on. I can't do anything about it. But what I can do is the way I think about it. Mm, yeah. And this ability to step outside ourselves, look back and think, why am I thinking like that? And when you tell people, when you, you know, share this idea about thinking about what they think about, you know, how is it received when you're doing a workshop or you're doing a training? Is it like, are people baffled when you say that? Or is it surprising? Yes, it's a bit of both. It's a gentle journey they start on when they first come on the, the program. It's normally about 12 people. Um, okay. Sometimes we do big conferences, but there's 12 people in a room and sort of two days plus one. So we can start off a bit gently. And the, one of the first questions is just sit there and write down your version of what success means to you. Okay. And they struggle. Mm. What do you mean by success? Well, what is it? So what's important to you in life? And very mm-hmm. few people think about that. Yeah. They set goals for cars and holidays and stuff like that, which is fine. That's great. Right. But there's so much other stuff we can 
I often worry about the word goals. It sounds a bit hard, harsh, but think about what we want to have out of life, who the, the person we want to be. Right. What can we gain by being the person we want to be and what kind of people to mix with so we end up a bit different from the way we are. And having taken till 40 years old, I can understand why many people think, what are you talking about? Sure. Once we take them gently at first on the journey, they start thinking, hold on, this is all about me. Yes, yeah. it's all about you. And yes, the company's paying for it, but the company will gain when you change. Right. You'll, you'll get the biggest benefit, but the company will change because it has people in it who take responsibility for themselves, mm. who don't complain about stuff that they can't do anything about. So it's big stuff because it has such an impact on everything. It does. And it's interesting that you say companies bring you in for workshops because you're really not talking about strategic planning. You're not talking about you know, devising a new product launch. You're really truly talking to people one-on-one to help them more on a personal level, which ultimately the goal would be that they are satisfied and engaged at work. Yep. Yes. And sometimes I've had companies say, I gather people sometimes leave after they've been on your course. And I say, yes, you might find some people leave, but often the ones you want to go or the ones who didn't realize they were a square peg in a round hole. Right. So they're somewhere else. And now you'll have somebody who's a square peg in a square hole will be better for you and the person who left. Yep. So it's enlightened of companies, I believe, when they realize that people take a, a temperature of where their life is and think maybe this is not the life for me. Mm. Well, how brilliant to be able to do that and have a company that encourages you and helps you to get the life you really want. And then they have a, somebody else comes in, they can help it. To me, it's a, an all round win. Yes. Right. Because you take, have more happy, satisfied people working yeah. where they want to work. That's it. And if yeah. they, where they want to work, the way the brain works, it will be more creative. It will be more mm. proactive. It'll come up with more ideas for the business. Mm hmm. But while we feel trapped or a victim, victims can't be creative. So, when we feel anxious, it's impossible to be proactive. Sorry. No, no, don't say sorry. I mean, we hear a lot about the term anxious anxiety has come up so much in the last 12 to 18 months. What do you think anxiety? Again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, do you have a philosophy on where that anxiety comes from? And, you know, wh why is it so pervasive now? Well, I think anxiety is the result of our inability to interpret the incoming data. In other words, all the stuff that's going on around us, right. we interpret in a way that has us feeling bad without realizing, and this is a big one, and I'm taking risk getting into this now, Seema, okay. that everything and everybody in the world is neutral. They have no energy other than the way donated by our values. Okay. That's interesting. That's pretty deep. It is pretty deep. <laughs> so, so nobody has ever upset me in my entire life because whatever they say means nothing till I interpret with my values in my head. Interesting. So can so you give us I an example? Say, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you an example. Okay. I can say to you, Seema, you've got green hair. Now, are you likely to get upset? No. No. Because you know you haven't got green hair. Right. If I say, Seema, you're an idiot. Yeah. You're much more likely to get upset because a little voice says, he could be right. Right. Got it. Now, some people you can call an idiot and they'll just laugh and say, you don't even know me. Sure. Other people will shrink away and think, oh, but it's not what's said. It's the way we process it. Yeah. Well, isn't so, it also giving value to the other person? Like their opinion of you is more important than your opinion of yourself? Yeah. What if you get upset when they call you something? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You're becoming a victim of what they think of you, yes. which is not a great place to be. Yeah. And I don't want to work or live with people 
who can't take responsibility for the fact that it's not wrong to be upset. If somebody calls you awful names, sure. you have every right to be upset, but you're upset because you upset yourself based on what they said to you. Yep. It's a bit like me pointing a gun at you, Seaman, and firing it at you. But my hammer falls harmless on an empty chamber unless you load my gun up with a bullet called your insecurity. Yes. So I say, you're an idiot, and I, my gun just clicks. Right. But if you get upset, you give me a bullet. And I'm, am I making any sense? Yes, of course. I mean, basically, you're saying, you know, each person has control of their thoughts. They have control of how they interpret somebody else's feedback to your comments to you. And if you give it or assign, if it hurts and you let it hurt, you took the bullet. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. interesting. And, and so it's not about getting upset. There are think times when we should get really angry. Yes. But let's remember who made us angry. We did. Yep. But it shouldn't stop us trying to right wrongs that we believe are. And I know they're neutral, but they're wrong to me because of my values. Mm. But it gives you much more, I believe, strength to be able to handle it when you know that you're, Plato said getting angry is easy. I'm misquoting here to get angry with the right person at the right time in the right manner for the right reason to the right degree is not quite so easy. That's a brilliant quote. Very true. I find it easy to get angry, but hold on. I need to aim it and use it in a way that helps me, not hinders me till I lose other people's respect because I've just flown off the handle. Yeah. So give me some other examples, how you challenge people. I know when we talked earlier, you had, you know, you shared some examples like, oh, I have to take care of my children or I have to do something. And, and you put it right back and kind of challenged those basic thoughts. Can you share right. some examples of that? Because I think a lot of people have this continuous flow of assumptions that technically they don't need to have because it's something that it's a different way of thinking about it, basically. Like, go ahead, I'll let you share some examples. Well, this sits right to the heart. It's a, the, I call it the crown jewels of my program because okay. it's the thing that causes the most disruption, but in a good way once people get it. And that sounds patronizing. I appreciate it. We put words up, have to, got to, must. Mm-hmm. And do any of you use this word? And everybody says, yes, we use those words. Okay. Right. Do you have to go to work? Do you have to pay the mortgage? Do you have to look after your children? Do you have to keep the speed limit? Do you have to, have to, have to, have to? And when yes, of course I do, why? And that's when everything goes very quiet. Why right. do you have to look after your children? Does Then the question is, and this is the one that really gets them, Seema, is okay. does everybody look after their children? No. No. So why do you? Mm, well, I love them. I'd feel dreadful if I didn't look after them. Right. So the reason you do it is to avoid the pain and guilt of not doing it. So That's who makes you do it? Ah, I do. Do you have to pay your mortgage? You know, does everybody? Of course they don't. Why do you pay yours? You want to hang on to the building. Right. So right. if you don't want to pay the mortgage, don't pay the mortgage, but then you'll be out of somewhere to live. So just get over yourself and realize that you must want to pay the mortgage more than you don't want to pay the mortgage. Yes. You must want to run your kids around at the weekend when you'd rather be doing something else. No, you wouldn't rather be doing something else because you're not doing it. Right. So anything you do, whatever it is, you want to do more than you don't want to do it based on the consequences of doing or not doing. That's true. Avoiding pain, guilt, right? Yeah, that's it. And when you're at work, you must want to be at work because your feet are there. Yes. If you didn't want to be at work, your feet wouldn't be there. Right. <laughs> and I often say to people, I'm, I'm an apprentice in this subject because I still sometimes when I'm in a um, a shop with my wife and I've got a bit of a cob on and looking a bit more. Yeah. My wife will simply turn around and say, Richard, check out where your feet are. <laughs> Darn it. So I have to say, bang to rights. Got yeah. me. I must want to be here because my feet are here. Yes, that's so true. 
it, when people say, I'd rather be on the beach today, no, you wouldn't, because you're not on the beach today. You'd rather be here. So either stay here and get on and do a great job or look after whatever it is, or go to the beach, for God's sake. You can't be in both. Right. And so many of us have lived lives as victims of other people instead of realizing the only thing or person we're victim of is ourselves and our values. True, true. It's a little bit like tough love, though. It's right. It is. It is. It's the pinnacle of adult maturity. Yes. Everything you do, you do to satisfy value. Everything we do is to satisfy an emotional need. I didn't say you had to like it. Right. Quote we have is you don't have to like everything you want to do, but you must want to do it because you're doing it. Right. It rises to the top of your priority and you do it. Yep. Yep. And I don't think that the human being can be truly happy till they take full responsibility for the choices they make. I love that. And so many companies are full of people and have far too many people who moan every day about going to work. Well, don't go. Stay yeah. at home. I couldn't. Yes, you could. <laughs> First of all, I have two questions. Number one, because this is, you know, it's very direct and very specific. I'm wondering, how is this accepted across different cultures? Do you see differences? I delivered this in Russia, China, the States, um, about 13 mainland European companies. And I've had people come and fly in from all over the world, from Australia, from India. And it transfers. The one challenge is if somebody has a religious belief that says everything is preordained, then you just have to have a agree to differ. Right. Okay. You're going to get nowhere and you can have one or two in the room and everybody else is getting it. And the other person doesn't. When I say they're not getting it, I don't mean that in any patronizing way. They just don't agree with me. And I have to realize because I believe everything is neutral. I can't prove they're wrong. Right. It is gone. And when you've helped train so many people have gone through this workshop, do you keep track of people? Not obviously 175,000 people is a lot of people, but do you have stories of people that, you know, came into the workshop and you follow up 20 years later or some years later and they've radically shifted their life in some way, shape or form? Well, one I'll share with you, which uh, it's humbling. Okay. I'm not proud of it. I'm humbling. The man who contacted me probably about 10 years ago and said, hi, Richard, heavy stuff this winning age, isn't it? life-changing, dot, 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 next line. Last week, I talked myself out of my suicide <gasps> using my winning edge notes. Wow. I said, we've got to meet up. Yes. So we met up and I said, well, he said, I was in the worst place, obviously, I could ever be. And I thought, hold on, I went on that course. Let me check my notes. And when he realized that the way he was feeling was driven by the thoughts he was having mm. and he was letting pure emotion drive him, he said, I start to think differently, which means I start to talk to myself differently. Mm-hmm. And I talk to myself differently. I felt differently. And that's when I stopped doing what I was going to do. So, I mean, that's how I mean, I've had lots of people with PTSD. I, but what I don't ever purport to be is a mental health, health, sure. health expert. Yeah. That's a different area altogether. Yeah. What we stick to is if you change your thoughts, you can change anything. And I do appreciate there are some people because of the way their brain is working, they can't change their thoughts. Yes. So this isn't a cure-all for everything by right. any means. Yeah. But it does mean if you can, and almost everybody can, think, why am I thinking like this? And when you ask that question, that's when everything starts to change. And how hard is the change in your mind? Like, do people get it? Or is it like a multi-month process or approach that you have to kind of retrain your brain a bit in terms of how you think? Well, one thing I think is some of the best news you can have, and that's the human brain can't have two thoughts at the same time. Mm. The question I often ask is, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night worrying? And most people have. Okay, so 
the first question you should ask yourself is, that's interesting. Why am I thinking about that at the moment? And most people don't break out of that and think that. Mm. They just carry on thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But if you say, why am I thinking about that? Well, if it's a bill you should have paid, get your pen out, put the light on the bedside on and write down, need to pay this bill tomorrow. If it isn't something like that, choose a different thought. Right. Because you can't have two at the same time. Now, is it always easy? No, but if you get into a habit and it takes a while, so Mm. this isn't an overnight sensation, it takes a while. You can then start thinking, right, I'm, if I'm going back to sleep, I need to think of something different. So mm-hmm. what, how about the holiday we've got coming up? How right. about what happened last week? And once you start to master it, it then becomes a habit. And it takes a while to form a habit, as you will know. Yes. But given that 95% of our lives are driven by habit, it's a fair idea sometimes to study the ones, study the ones we've got. Right. So it is, first of all, you've got a desire. You need a desire to do it. Mm. That's the start of everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to change, it ain't going to happen. You'll just keep reverting. Once you start and you see some change, that's when you think, ah, I used to do something different here. I'm not doing that now. I've formed a new habit. Then it gets a bit unbritishly exciting. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Tell me what, for this COVID timeframe, what advice do you have for people as they navigate, hopefully, some sort of end here? But, you know, People have suffered. And what do you share with people? What kinds of, I don't want to say tips, I don't want to minimize it, but constructs do you share with people as they navigate through this tough time? Well, I think one thing we'd probably be a good idea to do is make a list of the things that are good. Mm. You might yes. know that a gratitude log has an effect on people's mental yes. health. You have the ability to write down good things that have happened. Mm. And if it's possible to find one every day, that's great. It doesn't have to be something big. It could be just somebody who... No, let us jump the queue, just right. small stuff, yeah. so anything. And then it, there's some big, but it's looking around for the positives. And I, I, as I said earlier, I hate to use that word because it sounds a bit bit um, pink and fluffy. But there's, <laughs> there is a lot of good stuff in the world. But yes. we, at the moment, with all the headlines we have with COVID and Ukraine and Russia, yes. and we just get mired into it. It becomes a habit. We can't wait to switch on and mm-hmm. get the next bit of bad news. Well, that's not going to give you a great evening nor even a great day, because once we get into the habit of thinking about negative stuff, it's just what we do. Yeah, yeah. So it is forming new habits by thinking about what's going on in our life that's good, having setting some goals five years down the road. Mm-hmm. In my experience, 2 to 5% only of people that I've had on my course set personal goals. Mm. Apart from, as I said earlier on, maybe cars and houses and holidays and stuff like that. But the number of people, and I'm just looking at some feedback from a course we ran last week, mm. it's time I set some personal goals. I'm in my 50s and I don't set them. And give an example of when you say personal goals, because I do think, at least here in the US, goals are so much driven about acquisition of material things. Mm. I hate to characterize it that way, but I do think a large percentage of people, you know, I'm going to buy the next big house, I'm going to get the next car. Can you give an example of what you mean by personal goals? Yeah, I think the word goals is a bit hard, isn't it? So it could be, I'm going to learn French. Yes. Okay. I'm going to start playing the piano. I'm going to start spending a half an hour with my daughter or son Mm. each day because I haven't done that for far too long. Okay. I'm going to get myself fitter. I'm going to start getting myself down the gym or get a bike at home or bike to go out on. It's all those intangible things. I know bike's tangible, but the the fact you want to get fitter is intangible. And I think intangible goals are far more exciting often than the tangible ones. And I think what most people don't do is distinguish between happiness and pleasure. Mm. 
That's because interesting. Pleasure is a, a day, almost a dated thing. Yeah. If you get pleasure from. Right. The happiness should be running all the time, I believe, in your brain. Even in those awful times, if you have a happiness program in the background, you'll get through the bad times not more easily. That's a, a facile word. You'll make it through more easily if you have a program that says, I deserve a good life. I mm-hmm. deserve to have a great time. I look after people. Just write down some of the things you're happy about. We advise on a victory log. When you achieve something, write it down. Right. Don't just think about it. Write it down. And then every now and then just have a look. Wow. Yeah. I remember doing that. That was great. And if you've got kids, encourage them to have a victory log as early as possible. And the example you can give your, your children is incredible. Yeah. And one thing parents often say, I haven't given my children the example of taking control of their lives and thinking, what will they do, be doing in five years' time? Mm. No, you're not always going to achieve five-year goals, but it yeah. does give you a track to run on. Yeah. Well, I do find that those personal goals are more nourishing for the soul. You feel prouder of yourself, or at least I do. Where yes. You know what I mean? It feels good. It feels like, oh, I'm paying attention to the right thing. That's it. I'm yeah. going away on my own for a couple of days, and I'm going to do some meditation or whatever. Yes. It's something that gets us out of our rut mm-hmm. that we tend to sink into. Because it's easier, 95% habit. It's easier to do what we always do instead of jumping out of that and thinking, why don't I? And I get some dot, dot, dot and think, yeah, I could. Why don't I do that? Yeah, what's like stopping me? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's right? me. Yes. I'm in my own I'm way. The- <laughs> Have you seen over time, you know, in the 30 plus years that you've been doing this, people, are they fundamentally the same? Have they shifted a bit? Are you seeing society change, you know, people? Well, I- Go ahead. So do you mean as a whole rather than individuals? As a whole. Yeah, I think we've become a bit more cynical as a society. There's- okay. I think people are frightened of being too happy because something's going to come along and Mm. take it away. Well, what's going to come and take it away is your interpretation of what's going on. Right. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff, not great stuff around Ukraine and Russia at the moment. Yes. But if you spend too much time thinking about it, you're stealing your own life. That's true. It becomes just what we do. And I've noticed that, particularly in some countries, is too much friction, too much disagreeing, yeah. instead of looking for the bits that we agree with, building Very on true. that, not giving up on your core values, yes. but realising that unless you can prove somebody wrong, they're just as right as you think you are. Yeah. yeah. And we have a, we call it the beach ball, and somebody's standing on one side of the beach ball and somebody on the other, and the beach ball is red, white, and blue. So somebody on this side says, this beach ball is red and blue. Somebody on the other says, no, it's blue and white. Well, they're both right. Right. But what they Col- haven't done is gone around the other side of the beach and think, ah, hadn't seen that That's bit. so true. It's a great example. And so often I realise that's what I haven't done. I mm-hmm. need to get around the other side of the beach and think, oh, I love Abraham Lincoln's quote. I don't like that man. I need to get to know him better. Yes, that's a great quote. I love that. But it does yeah. mean opening our minds up a bit and thinking, hold on, hold on. There's a different way of looking at this. Yes. That person actually is not crazy. Richard, if people want to learn more about your programs, try to participate in a session, what's the best way to learn more about it? Our website is winningagemindset.com. Okay. Um, We recently did a a webinar, 30-minute webinar. We had, I think, 1,500 people on it from around the world, the Philippines. And they only had 30 minutes, but they whet their appetite. Yeah. So you can start to get an interest in the subject. We, We work virtually, so we work in wherever. Got so it. if somebody comes on and my email address, you can pop if they want to see it. It's richard at winningagemindset.com. I answer every email myself. I'm not inviting emails. I'm not trying to make myself <laughs> attract email. But if somebody says, when you said you don't have to work, help me here. I don't agree with you. I'm happy to have a natter, really. Very nice. I like that. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I've learned a lot and I'm sure my listeners, the listeners will have learned a lot as well. Great tips. Well, Seema, thank you very much for asking me. Of course. A joy and an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.